0: Leaders serving us every week, uh, the band that bring us to the heart of God, and uh, Josh just leading us uh, so well today in breaking of bread, so thank you for all of that. And we genuinely say that if it's your first time at Arena Church, you are very, very welcome. It may seem an unlikely setting, um, but we don't apologize for that. In, in that sense, we don't want it to be overly churchy, um, because uh, we, but we do want you to feel the presence of God, the welcome of God. Yeah and the purpose of God. And I believe that if you'll listen well tonight, uh, God can speak right into your heart. I'm not just saying that because I'm the speaker, but in the sense that God wants to speak to us. And actually, in terms of the subject tonight, God wants to draw people in to increasingly find his will in their lives. But before we do that, if you don't mind, uh, we're going to pray. Because um, you'll be aware that um, this week, uh, our Sister in the faith and part of this church, Margaret McGowan, went to be with Jesus. And those of you that have known Margaret for many years will know that she's had many, many health battles, and sadly this one proved uh, to be too much. She's been in Kingsmill Hospital for many weeks, and thank you for uh, all the people from Marina Church Mansfield that have taken time to go and visit her, and uh, Marnie and the family are really appreciative of that. And uh, Margaret... Uh, I, I just spoke to Glanis on the phone the other day, and the thought that just came to me that Margaret would take a back row on earth and be on the front row in heaven, um, because I think there's going to be some surprises in eternity, isn't there? She was quiet, she was undemonstrative, uh, but she was absolutely for the church. She was part of the magnificent seven when we moved to Field Mill, and uh, and. Uh, As we've said several times, the emotional side of Margaret would have wanted the church still to be on Ladybrook, but she saw the bigger picture. And she was 100% behind Christian and me and the leadership. And has never uh, altered a stance in that whatsoever. Always quick to say, praying for you. Always quick to say, thank you for the word. And we're going to miss her. uh, But we're going to pray tonight. Um, But Marnie and the family are just sort of coming to terms with all of that. And of course, she has some very dear friends in Arena Church as well. It's been a difficult week for them. Um, We'll confirm details next week, but the funeral is a week on Friday, and the whole of the service will take place at the Mansfield Crematorium, beginning at 1.15. And uh, we'll confirm those details to you next Sunday when we've uh, just got it underscored by the uh, funeral director. But that's the intention—a week on Friday, uh, the 30th of October. At 1:15, and you're welcome to come and pay your final respects to Margaret's life uh, at that time. We've got sufficient time to sort of do the service there, and then uh, obviously the committal, also. Uh, so we'd like to pray, and of course, um, it's been a difficult week also for Andy Giesler, Joshua, and also Anton's with us tonight, and uh, and uh, we just want you to know that we're still all praying for you uh, at the sudden loss of. Uh, wife and mother, and, and uh, we'd like to just include you in that prayer tonight also, and uh, just to say, we just love the fact that you're here, yeah. and uh, we're thinking about you very much at this time as you process yeah. all of that. So friends, I wonder if you just stand with me for a moment, we're going to pray. And uh, the... Uh, this is church, so Josh is talking about his little baby a few weeks old, part of Arena Church already, Judah, I'm going to praise God anyway, we'll never forget that, will we? And then we lose somebody also, uh, and uh, that sort of sort of encapsulates why we do ministry, uh, because on one hand we love new life coming into the church, both physically and spiritually, but also at times we recognise that God calls people to be with himself. And Although it's sad for us, remember the words of the Apostle Paul. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Yeah. Margaret has gone to a better place. And friends, every time I'm confronted with losing somebody in the church, I'm always reminded why I'm a Christian minister. Yeah. Because this is not just sort of uh, some pie-in-the-sky comment to make people feel better. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. And God says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Yeah. And Margaret is now in a place of uh, conscious awareness of the presence of Jesus. Uh, No more pain. And there'll be a culmination of that one day when we'll all be joined together forever. So we pray with great confidence that we understand that pain is left on the earth as people grieve and mourn. And it's perfectly understandable for us to do that, but we don't grieve as those that have no hope. So I wonder if you would just join me in prayer. I'll just give you a few moments just to think about these people in your own heart and then I'll just bring it to God. So Lord Jesus, we... We we thank you tonight that, uh, as we've heard, you came into the world not just for the what, but the why. You love us. And we just pray tonight, Lord, that you'll wrap your loving arms around Margaret's family in their loss. Marnie and her brothers and the grandchildren in Jesus' name. We pray that you'll give them an amazing peace in these days. And that all will go well over this next fortnight, Lord, as they just look towards that day of and their final honor and respect to a loved mom we thank you for margaret and arena lord we thank you she had a pioneer spirit we thank you that she saw the bigger picture we thank you for what she committed to and lord we bless you for her life and we thank you that she's with you and for andy and gisler and anton and joshua we pray for them again tonight lord that your amazing love and peace will overwhelm their lives at this time that it will carry them along, it will bear them along, Lord, in their loss. And we ask these mercies for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 Thank you. Now, we're great on time, and uh, after the service tonight, Julie will give us a little direction in terms of some ways that you may be able to respond uh, before we come to the closing song. And uh, we'll create a little bit of room for that afterwards. Don't feel that you've got to dash off. There's teas and coffees and biscuits being served. And also tonight, an opportunity to practically respond uh, to the Word of God. So I wonder if you'll turn for a few moments to, uh, if you've got a Bible, however you access that, Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. I want to read a few verses, set a little context for us, and then encourage us. And uh, there we go. On Purpose is uh, our message and... um, Uh, you'll know that uh, we operate on a Sunday in two locations, Ilkeston Sunday Morning Church, Mansfield Sunday Night Church. I love it when people say to me, you know what, you'll never build a church on a Sunday night service. Um, but, so well, we do it, you know. And uh, the reality is that the, there, are dif- the, there are nuances, there are differences uh, inevitably that arise from two con- contexts and congregations and even buildings. But the reality is, we're one church in two locations, and so there's this crisscross of keeping ministry on track. And sometimes it literally works same message in the morning, same message at night, but sometimes there's a little bit of a, a, an overlap. And uh, we've completed the on purpose series at Ilkeston, and we're two or three weeks behind at Mansfield, not for any other reason than that's just how it's worked. But you may remember a couple, uh, two or three weeks ago that we, we took. Uh, the example of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. And uh, we reminded ourselves that he was somebody that was living for a purpose, but it wasn't a good one. Uh, his purpose was to kill Christians. You can read about it in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 7. He, he held the coats while the first martyr in the Bible, Stephen, was stoned to death. But there was this amazing turnaround in his life, and uh, he found Jesus as he was going to Damascus still the capital city of that benighted nation of Syria. As he was going there to round up the Christians with his religious zeal, Jesus, the risen Jesus, met with him. And we got to Philippians chapter 3, and we saw a man that was living on purpose. He left behind that which was of the past. He counted it as rubbish. He had an ambition to know Jesus. He was moving forward to take hold of the prize. And he even had his eye on heaven. Uh, Because he realized that as he had his eye on heaven, he made a difference on the earth. Every Christian that's lived like that ever since has done exactly the same. This phrase is not in the Bible, but so heavenly minded he's no earthly use. It might be a nice little proverb. One, it's not in the Bible, and two, it's not true. Because if you will fix your eyes on the eternal, you will make a difference in the temporal. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. So we saw... And we believe it is as a Christian church that the most effective way that we can live our lives on purpose is when we've understood what God gave Jesus for and why he did it. To woo us by his love, to bring us into a relationship. And if you've never become a believer, maybe you've come with a member of your family. Maybe you're on a journey. Maybe you've got lots of questions. Maybe you're doubtful. Maybe you describe yourself as a skeptic. All these, all these situations that rumble in our hearts If you will just step into God and and just let him sort of come to you and forgive you and cleanse you and give you a purpose, you will find living on purpose like never before. And so we've looked at a couple of issues. We've looked at at Christian took last week, that we live on purpose to give. Next week, Josh is going to speak on we live on purpose to love. And tonight, I'm just going to share with you for a few moments that we live on purpose to serve, to serve. I want you to really get a hold of this tonight, and we'll come to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 35. It says these words, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and says, Jesus, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, that was a nice humble request, wasn't it? What do you want for me, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit on the right of you and the other on the left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? It was a rhetorical question and the answer was no. They said, we can. But Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those who have been prepared. Maybe Margaret. When, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The passion of the next few minutes is that every one of us on purpose would find our place to serve in the body of Christ. And I believe, friends, without any sense of contradiction, that if you're a believer tonight, this is the purpose of God for you. That's why when people say to me, well, I'm a believer, but I don't think I need to go to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Well, in one sense, that's true, but it's not taught in the Bible. When we are believers, we belong to the body. We become connected to the body. And God's passionate about people finding their place to serve Now then, let me just share a moment or two. I think it was pretty obvious from the reading, but James and John are talking to Jesus and they're full of ambition. They're, They're seeking for position and prestige. Jesus, it'd be great in the eternal day if one of us could be on the right and one of us on the left, all right? And he says, not all right, because it's not for me to grant and you have misunderstood what true greatness is. He described the high officials of the day, and he described those of the Gentiles that would lord it over people. In terms of everyday language, it would be something like, don't forget who's in charge. Don't forget who's the boss. Don't forget this, and don't forget that. Lording it over people, pulling rank, making sure that people know that they were down and someone else was up. But Jesus exemplified the exact opposite. He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, I don't want you lording it over people. I want you to come under people and be a servant to them because that's true greatness in the kingdom. And the other disciples that heard these words, and by the way, they responded indignantly to James and John, heard the message of Jesus. You see, in the kingdom, it's not about status. It's about service. Now, I wish I could look across the the Christian church at times and say, yeah, everybody lives like that. Uh, You'll know that in our church, you know, we don't insist that we're called pastor or reverend or the very reverend or the very reverend, Holy Father reverend. It's just Phil, and that's okay. I've heard some pastors say, you'll be disrespected if they just call you that. Well, they'll be disrespected if I insist on being called pastor because respect comes from the heart, not out of words. But one of the reasons we do that is because we want to give an emphasis on the fact that we're just servants for Jesus' sake. Servants with a call, servants with a passion, servants that have been given authority from him. Not to lord, Peter says, don't lord it over people, but to come under people with the call over our lives that causes every one of us to find a place where we live on purpose. What is purpose? Well, it speaks of intention of determination, of resolution. As we've already said, we've looked at living on purpose to give. We're going to look at living on purpose to love. And tonight, living on purpose to serve three core issues that inevitably work out of our lives when we want to live on purpose. Jesus, as we've already seen, was our great example. And he says in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 to 7, that although Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, the reason it wasn't robberies, because he was God. He laid aside that, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And in that context, he describes Jesus as a servant. Let me make three or four banner headline statements regarding serving. Number one, it's the hallmark of great people and leaders in the Bible. Moses was described as a servant. Samuel said, speak, Lord, because your servant is is listening. David was described as a servant. Paul described himself at the beginning of Romans as Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And so we could go on. The motivating force, secondly, of Jesus' ministry was servanthood. We've read it here. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And being a Christian... In essence, he's simply following the example of Jesus. Number three, serving comes from a great heart attitude. Ephesians 6 7 says, Serve the Lord wholeheartedly. It comes from the heart. I'll come back to that in a moment. And four, it carries a great focus where we can serve God, where we can serve each other, and where we can serve the world. Let me make three principled statements tonight about serving, living on purpose finding the bullseye of God's purpose for your life. Number one, the foundation for serving. Now, this is very, very important. I don't want to assume assume anything tonight because I think there's been lots of people in church today, I'm talking about the wider church, that have not understood the revelation of the foundation of serving. And it's simply this, that we miss the point of serving If the foundation is wrong. And the foundation is wrong when we are serving to try and get to God to prove something to God. Because my Bible tells me, and so does yours, that salvation is not by works. We're doing Romans at the Arena Bible Training School on Tuesday, part two. We've got that much material on on Tuesday. I mean, we're going to have to go like the wind. But the fact of the matter is that in week one, we talked about sin, not a pleasant subject on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock when you've had a hard day's work. But we needed to deal with it. In history, lots of people in sin thought, "I'll try and get to God by paying penance. I'll try and get to God by kissing steps. I'll try and get to God by doing this. I'll get." It was worthless, and the church went through about a thousand years of a very dark time when God sovereignly got hold of a German priest called Martin Luther who understood again that we couldn't get to God in our own efforts. Josh read from Romans 4.25 tonight, a great verse. But justification, in other words, come on on Tuesday if you want to hear a bit more about justification, but just as if we'd never sinned was all about him. And all that we need to do is to believe it. So it's imperative tonight that you don't commit to serving Because you're trying to prove something to God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says that one of the things that we need to repent of is dead works. And dead works for me is when we're trying to get to God in our own efforts. The Bible says in another verse, it's not of works lest any man should boast. I'm going to use this phrase, and please bear with me because actually I don't like the phrase. And I think it's misappropriated at times and it becomes a bit of a cheap shot. Please don't hear it like that tonight but sometimes people are described as do gooders now we've been described as do gooders in the arena church well you're bothered by do gooding you know woo, woo, woo. and we'll take the hits for that but for me and please hear it I say it with compassion and with sensitivity a do gooder religiously is someone that's trying to do good when they've not understood that they're not good And however good they think they are, they're a complete failure in the eyes of God. And it starts at the cross. It doesn't start at making flowers. It doesn't start at baking cakes. It doesn't start even being a steward of a church. It starts with a recognition that we failed the Lord and we need to find him. Our acceptance into God's love and blessing is not by us, sir. But when we realize that we've been accepted into God's love and blessing and made sons, then also we pitch up to be servants. But it's got to start with an understanding that we've been welcomed into the family. We didn't deserve it, we didn't merit it, but God's reached out to us and blessed us anyway. Notice that before Jesus began his ministry, before he healed anybody, before he called the storms to be stilled. At his baptism in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, here's the confession of God the Father over Jesus. This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And I think people need to hear that tonight. Because sometimes one of the things that people wrestle with is, does God really love me? I know he loves Andy, I know he loves Andy. We've we got any more Andys here? <laughs> um, <laughs> I know he loves Julie, but does he love me? And the truth is tonight, he loves you as much as Julie, as much as Andy, and as much as Andy. Exactly the same. And you have to come to a revelation of understanding that. Before you've done anything, before you've served, before you've got on a team, before you've committed to anything, he says, this is my son, this is my daughter, and I'm pleased with them. I love them, I like them. They've come to me, and we've got a relationship. In Ephesians, it tells us that it's by grace that we've been saved. And here's the truth. the truth. You can't sneak into the kingdom by trying a bit harder and committing to another team. You're only accepted into the kingdom by being totally dependent on grace. That's God initiating his loving sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Undeserved, unmerited, that's what grace is. And coming to a place of saying it was for me. The foundation of serving. And if you've never taken that step tonight, you may be a youngster. You may be somebody that's come with your friends. You may be older. And you, you've tried serving to try and get to God. I want to encourage you tonight, and we'll give an opportunity, a simple opportunity before the service is finished, for you to step into the true foundation of serving, which is knowing that God gave himself for you, the why of why he came. You respond to it, and he says, this is my son. This is my daughter with whom i'm well pleased now then the motivation for serving because when we come to jesus and build our life on purpose around him and his word it is inevitable that we begin to want to serve you know i love it in arena church when people come to jesus and something's put out there and i see them having conversations with different people and beginning to just dip their toes into serving in the body of christ i think that's progress It's inevitable that we'll want to serve because Jesus, as we've already said, didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And it follows the the master's example. You see, I am a son. And I use the word generically, ladies, so just just bear with me. not in terms of just men. I am a son, totally free, and I want to be a servant, totally bound. So, well, You've been standing at the front for months on end saying that when we come to Jesus, he wants to set us free. He does. To set us free, to come to a place where we'll be a servant. And the word servant in the root meaning of the New Testament means to be slave. We totally give ourselves back to him. And here's the truth. The more you become bound to the love of Jesus, the more you're liberated into living free. So how does that work? Well, I can't really explain it, but he does. He just does. The more we become bound to Jesus, the more we're liberated into what he's got for us. And there's two main words, about nine words in the New Testament, uh, in the original language for servant. But the two main ones capture this thought. The first one is doulos. It's what we are. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. That's what he was. It was a doulos. That's the word in Romans 1.1. He had been in bondage to sin. Religion to hatred to anger to guilt to failure, and he found Jesus, and now he binds his life to the love and purpose of Jesus so that he might live on purpose. There's a lovely example of this in Exodus 21, and you know that the Old Testament's oft, often speaking in shadows and types that found, find their spiritual reality through the cross. And in Exodus 21, if a Jewish household had a slave, after seven years, they were bound by community law to let the slave go free. So maybe six months in, they says, right, Sharon, you're going to work for me. She probably says, I'm doing that anyway. But, uh, <laughs> but you're going to work for me. But at the end of seven years, I have to say, Sharon, you can go. You know, thank you. But, if the slave, and you can read the words in Exodus, if the slave comes to a place and say, you know what, I so love my master. I've fallen in love with my master. He's treated me well. That I want to serve him forever. They take the slave to the marketplace. They put it all through his, um, the lobe of his ear to the, to, to, the, to the doorpost of the house. And it would be a sign to the community that this slave at the end of seven years wouldn't go free, but he would serve his master forever. There used to be an old hymn, I love, I love my master, I will not go out free. And if you're as old as me, when songs used to waft away from Australia and New Zealand, you probably can remember, pierce my ear, oh Lord. Can anybody remember that? You think, what's all that about? Ear piercings. I'm only speaking about the blogs. I mean, what's all that about? It was about Exodus 21. It was saying, I don't want to go out free. Because I realize that the more I bind myself to Jesus, the more I'm liberated into what he's called me to be. It's a paradox. It's a contradiction to our natural thinking. But if you'll implement it in your heart, it works every time. See, I find with respect that, I've got, uh, that we have Christians that claim to be free but live bound in the wrong sense. They don't deal with issues, don't give them to Jesus, and don't let the kingdom come. And they never find the true liberation of what it means to be a true doulos slave of Jesus. The second word is diakonos, where we get the word deacon from. You know, and some churches have been deacon possessed. You know, we know the old ones are the best. Where that has not worked is when deacons have tried to be elders. And we've said they're the same, they're not. God gives spiritual authority to elders, but not to deacons. But deacons often emerge because they exemplify a great servant spirit. It doesn't mean that you've got six deacons in the church that do all the serving, and everybody else says, great, keep going, Paul, you're a deacon. Well, he's an elder, as we know. But you know what I'm saying? You're great, first in, last out, and everybody else just comes in. That's not the passion of it. It's people that exemplify a servant heart and inspire others to serve. It means to help, to persist, and to uh, pursue and in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, he says that we are God's uh, master, handiwork, we are God's workmanship, created unto God works. Again, the, the language of the English doesn't do it justice because it literally means that we are God's masterpiece, yeah. that he's shaping and molding and, hold and honing and painting. We're his masterpiece, created unto good works. You... In the eternity of time, we're created for good works. You were put on the earth to make a difference. You were destined to influence people. Say, yeah, me. Yeah, me. Our Alison came in today just for a couple of hours. You know, we've got two girls. They couldn't be more different. He said to Miriam, how are you going? Okay. And uh, when she used to come home from the bank, when she worked before she went to Australia, she said, how's your day gone? Great, gone. Alison, patong, <laughs> But two hours later, you know, we're we're sort of... uh, But she's found her purpose. She's found the bullseye of God's purpose for her life. I don't have the liberty to share from the platform, but I want to tell you the kingdom's coming in so many ways. In incredible ways. Incredible ways. Because something's breaking out. And when you find your purpose... Something breaks out from you that touches other people and changes them forever. So the, the, the motivation of serving. And here is in Arena Church where we really want to capture the heart of this season. That we understand that when we get saved, we're saved for a special purpose. That we serve out of our passion and gift. Now let me use an example, not because I'm not saying it's important. So, for example, this morning Richard Dawson came to represent Safe uh, uh, Families for Children. And the first thing he said to me, he says, what a great welcome in the car park and at the door. The guy's serving, you see. But let me just use the car park. You see, it might be that we have people, not here, but I'm using an example. Whew, yeah. Christian wants when to be on the car park. He's freezing cold, we're going to get wet, you know. So you're sort of doing it, but you don't really want to do it. But when we've got somebody that says, I'm on the car park because God wants me to do it. Yeah, very good. It can sleet and snow and rain. Nothing's going to change that person. By the way, the clocks go back next week, so just be aware. It's going to be pitch black when we arrive. You know, But a passion and a gift, not begrudgingly, reluctantly, but purposefully. The opportunity to serve the lord in other words we live and i literally mean this i don't want to ham it up but we live with this is what i was made for to be part of this church and to find my serving role in the body of christ how many of you know friends that if we're going to build a big prevailing church it can't all, it can't all rest on christian and me we've got every person finding their joint in the body of christ saying this is what i was made for serving with a passion And we go forward in him. And I tell you, when you do that, it gives a great motivation. It means that we're not packing in after two or three months. But we press through. And if I can use the phrase, and it sounds a little grandiose, but we find our redemptive call. That's the heart of Arena Church. That every one of us will find our redemptive call in this season to serve the body. Now, you're going to need that because sometimes serving is not easy. And motivation is vital. I'm gonna give you seven unwords. Un. They're all gonna begin with un. So we serve with passion because serving is often unseen. And it's often unobtrusive. In other words, it doesn't it's modest, it's unshowy. And we only know sometimes it's value when it's not there. It's sometimes unappreciated, and at times unknown. Nobody knows you're serving, and at times unrewarded. And then people can be unresponsive. And do you know why? Even in a church, even unkind. And you're now down, not literally, but metaphorically, with the bowl of water and the towel in serving and somebody's kicking the water straight back in your face. This is what I was made for. It takes you through. And we're all on the end of that at times. It takes you through. And it gives you an incredible sense of being motivated to serve The body of Christ. And later on Julie will just give you some practical helps. And you'll see all all the stands, all the displays in in the bar area. To help you in this time come to a place of finding your redemptive call in the body of Christ. And so over the long term, inspiring and empowering others serve as part of what can really become a dream team in Arena Church. I close with my final point, which is this. Not only the foundation for serving, the motivation for serving, but finally, the contribution of serving. Every contribution is important. Here's what the Bible says. If you give a cup of water in my name, it will have a reward. The Bible says that the weakest member of the body is essential. 1 Corinthians 12:22. The Bible says that that which is done in secret will be rewarded Openly, and then the contribution of serving in the body of Christ is not only for everybody to be involved in, but it's essential for the greater good. Let me remind you of the faith audit report that was issued by the Cinnamon Network just earlier this year. Cinnamon Network began a few years ago. The reason it's called Cinnamon Network is like all good ideas, they normally start in a curry house. And there's a curry house just round from Westminster House of the Parliament called Cinnamon, where Matt Bird and a few of his guys, his mates, entrepreneur in spirit, Christian in faith, had a crazy idea to say, let's try and raise some money to help the local church in projects that are reaching out to people. And uh, they found great favour in all of that. Uh, They found some gift uh, uh, grant funding. And they've been able to bless many, many local churches with micro grants that help them to get a project started. And then it becomes self-sustaining. This year, they did an audit report regarding the work of the Christian church in the UK with regard to uh, the impact that it has upon society. And it was, there's been many, many figures, graphs, pie charts, it'll leave you breathless. But the reality is that last year, it was calculated that the Christian church in this nation made a contribution back into society of well over three billion pounds now we have these junior doctors threatening to go on strike yesterday I hope they don't but I want to tell you if the church went on strike tomorrow morning all over this country tens of thousands of people would be impacted because coffee shops wouldn't be open soup runs wouldn't be done children wouldn't be cared for the elderly wouldn't have a place of refuge and so we could go on and on and on and when people friends take the rip out of the church it grieves me Because the church is amazing. We know that it's got many faults and failings. But the serving heart of the church, when it gets it right, is absolutely incredible. And you can play your part in that. I close by giving you a few questions to think about. Jesus did not come to the earth to be famous, to be competitive, to be significant, to be indulgent. And you have to die to all those things as well. You see, we may have the next Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke or Brian Houston, or Bill Hybels, or Steve Furtick in this room tonight, fantastic. But all if you live your life and nobody knows what you're doing, but you've been a servant, same reward, same reward. And Jesus came, friends, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he came as an example to us. So here's a few questions. Tonight, have you understood that the foundation for serving is vital? It's not to get to God, but it's to serve from knowing God. It's understanding what it means to be a son and out of sonship that we become a servant. Secondly, let me ask you this. Have I discovered my fit or shape for serving productively in the local body of Christ? If you haven't and you count arena churches at home, we want to help you. Number three, have I reached the fullness of my potential and destiny in the serving journey? And so am I giving it my best? We want to find everybody finding the bullseye of their journey. Don't be content with three or nine or double six. Never mind about 180, we want you in 50. Right in that bullseye. Right in there. Knowing that you're living in the fullness of the potential of what God has called you to do. Are there creative ways to explore and serving that the loss that have not yet been implemented you may be looking at arena church and say well we've not put that into action what about that what about the other talk to julie and christine and let's begin to filter fresh ideas if they're there that give people an opportunity to serve have i determined to be an encourager of others in their serving life because we all need it will i stay the course of serving even if there is no apparent return payback or reward in this life a heartfelt response to all of these challenges of being a servant, will one day cause us to stand before Jesus. And Matthew 25 tells me that he's not going to say, so you preached a thousand times on a platform. No, that's not going to be the thing. So you had an evangelistic ministry and went out getting folks saved left, right and center. Oh, so you healed a few people sick. None of that. All he's going to say to people is, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's live on life on purpose. Let's live life on purpose to give. And let's live life on purpose by finding the bullseye of God's serving destiny in our lives. When we do that, when we pull that together, church is unstoppable. Let's pray.